Hi, and welcome back to Four Teenage Girls. I'm Bee Highland. This is a podcast about youth. Every week, I sit down with a woman or a woman-aligned person and talk to them about their passions. This week, I sat down with an old friend of mine, Nundi Andoro, and we're going to talk about music. We're going to talk about school stress. We're going to talk about race. We're going to talk about culture. We're going to talk about New England. It's going to be really exciting. I hope you enjoy. Let's get this started. All right, let's get started. Um, how about you introduce yourself? Um, hello, I'm Nundi. I am a 17-year-old girl from Boston. Um, yeah, that's um, me. All right, cool. Um, just for context, I've known you for like three years now. Yeah. Yeah, we are sitting in a school library. It mm-hmm. is great. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so Nundi, what do you want to talk about today? Um, okay, so I did a lot of thinking about this question, and then I realized that that defeats the purpose. So let me think. So school just ended. Nice. Yeah. And I, okay, actually, let's talk about like stress and things like that. Cool. Yeah, because it is the last week of junior year and I'm hecka stressed. And I realized like a real change in my personality, maybe that like, I don't know if I'm just like growing or like, <laughs> or if this is really because I'm stressed or I don't know. Like, yeah, I, do, do I just keep talking? Just yeah, right? okay, I, can, cool. I can, like, butt in. Okay, cool. Awesome. <laughs> Please do. Okay. Um, I think, like, because of, I don't know, everything that's happening in my life, I think I'm getting a little more negative, maybe, or just uh, in, my, in my mind, I feel it. Yeah, I think it's more of a mental thing just because knowing you, you seem fairly, mm-hmm. like, chilly. You seem pretty positive. Yeah. Um, but let's dive in. Like, what's going on in your life that's stressing mm-hmm. you out? Okay. Um, therapy now. Yeah, yeah. This. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, I think, like, schoolwork, just thinking about the future. Like, I've been doing a lot of, like, thinking about colleges and stuff and what my family wants me to do. I mean, it's just, like, typical teenage stuff, I guess. Yeah, is there a contrast between what your family wants you to do and what you want to do? Definitely. Um, My parents want me to go to the most, like, prestigious university I can or go close to them, which, you know, is common, but I kind of want to go to California or something. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then, yeah, I don't know. I think the past, like, two weeks I've just been thinking a lot of, like, family and, like, what my relationship with them is really like and like I don't know how maybe that's like impacting me and yeah. stuff. No, let's go into that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um what are your thoughts on that situation? Like- yeah. Um well my okay, so my mom lives in Boston and I primarily go to her a lot and then my dad um is in South Africa. So over the summers I spend most of the time with him and then over there and then um, you know, during the year, I'm in Boston. Yeah. So, it's like, um, okay. It's, um, so, yeah, I've been thinking a lot about that. My family situation is really fine. Like, I think whenever I tell people that I'm going to, that my dad lives in South Africa, they're like, oh, my God, no, what's uh Do you ever talk to him? Do you ever see him? And it's not, it's not that, it's not that bad. Yeah. But... Yeah, I think thinking about college and my future and my life and everything, I've really been thinking about what me and my parents' relationship is going to look like when I'm older, which I guess is something that every every person goes through. So what do you think that'll be? Yeah, I, guess? Um, I don't know. We're all, we are all fairly close, um, but I'd say that I think I need to put more effort into my relationship with my dad. 
and I don't know like this is just like heavy topics that like I think about but they feel like they're weighing down on me more just like the last like week or whatever no that's like that's entirely understandable like mm-hmm. I'm like from an academic perspective at least I'm mm-hmm. in a very similar spot we saw be stress and that can make like outside stressors a lot exactly like more heavy mm-hmm. like I'm also like hyper focused on college right mm-hmm. now which I really shouldn't be yeah but I have a college counseling meeting right after this interview exactly so it's yeah like yeah 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 um, are you doing anything to calm yourself down? To yeah, I mean, like I was, you know, making some music, just I don't know, trying to be creative, trying to get my head outside of this whole like academics, grades, statistics stuff, and like just trying to be excited about the future. Yeah, what yeah. kind of music you make? Um, that's a good question. I think I make like. I think it's like R&B. Like sometimes I make very R&B-ish type music and then other times it's like, I hate to say like alternative because I sound pretentious, whatever, but like, yeah, I think it's like alternative, like bedroom pop, whatever. Like, yeah, but less like Clyro, Claro or whatever, but like, I don't know, sometimes intense. I'm I'm still learning how to do it. So the genre changes. Nice, nice. Mm-hmm. Uh, so why do you make music? Are you Why do I make music? What what drew you to it? Mm-hmm. Um, well, so I started making music when I was 14. Uh, 13, yeah. Um, in the eighth grade, yes. No, just with GarageBand on my iPad. So I got really into this um, artist named King Cruel around that time. And he was very into producing. He still is. And I watched all of his interviews and everything. If you're listening to this, yes, I knew King Cruel when I was 13. Um and I'm better than you. So, nice. yeah. So, you heard it here first, folks. Exactly. So, uh, King Cruel, Archie Marshall, I was obsessed with him, had a huge crush. And I started messing around on GarageBand, and I thought it was really cool how I could, like, you know, be obsessed with my own voice and, like, sound and stuff and yeah. actually create music because I loved it a lot before. Yeah, and then, I don't know, that just kind of continued on as a hobby. Like, it's just, yeah, like, I, I don't even post it anywhere, really. Like, I'll just make a few beats and then maybe, like, post them on this one ugly little SoundCloud that I have with, like, this one, like, spam follower. But, um, yeah. SoundCloud <laughs> followers exactly. are such an interesting mm-hmm. demographic of bot followers. <laughs> like, yeah. wh- why? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I was actually kind of creeped out. I was like, have I been searching things that are, like, inappropriate? Because it was just this, like, kind of naked woman as a profile picture. But whatever. I'm happy for the support. Happy for the support. Yeah. <laughs> Biggest fan. Mm-hmm. Um... But yeah, I just, I mess around, it's a hobby, it's a stress reliever, and, you know, who knows, like, what'll happen with it. I'm not really, like, thinking I'm gonna be an artist or trying to do any of that, which I guess is, like, sort of freeing, because it's not an obligation, but that kind of makes it an obligation at some point, but, yeah. Nice, nice. Mm -hmm. And so other than King Cruel, who would you, like, consider your inspirations in terms of making music? Mm -hmm. Um, I would say... That okay, so when I was like in earlier in high school, King Cruel like lyrically was my inspiration. But like if you look at his lyrics, like he kinda does speak in metaphors, which can get kinda confusing outside of his voice. So um I don't know, I'm like really inspired by like FK Twigs, like her production. Like I think it's so like right? Like it's just cool. And then I like a lot of like um 
just like soul and like a lot of sample things like people who sample soul tracks and jazz and everything and then just like make it their own so I started getting really into like Jay Dilla um and like I don't know Flying Lotus like just I, I like producers more than I think like I think about singers and stuff like that like I know they go hand in hand but I think it's cool to look at um who's producing different things yeah mm-hmm and I know you have a zine about music too. Like, yeah, uh, let's talk about that just because I think it's really, really dope. Like, thank you. Yeah, thank you. Yes. Yeah. So my zine is called Strike Three Mag. Uh, search us up, please. Look us up. Um, basically, the zine is just uh, it allows like teenagers, young people to I don't uh, express their opinions, views about music and other different types of like arts. And also my goal for the next year is to have a lot of people talk about like culture things. So young people talking about issues that are gonna, that are happening in their community, um, maybe through writing articles or uh, photography, uh, things like that. Um, But yeah, the zine is basically just a space for young people to express their um, appreciation for different art and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's really cool. Um, uh, the first issue's dropping when? Yeah, so winter <laughs> of this year, we're going to say, or like fall, fall, winter. Nice, yeah. nice. You mm-hmm. getting contributions? Or? Yeah, I am, yeah. So nice. I, yeah, mm-hmm. I published like a, um, a call for submissions a while ago, and I got a few submissions, and then I'm going to redo the whole um, advertising thing this summer. I think this first year was just really me like establishing the brand, figuring out what my idea was, and then trying to get used to social media and like handling that stuff. I'm like really inspired by you. Oh, like God. you handle your social media like a boss. It's crazy. For like three multiple podcasts. Like I'm, I'm so, so impressed. I'm, I'm so impressed. No, but like the straight three social media just followed me one day. I'm like, oh, nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I like I knew the name <laughs> of the magazine. I'm like, yay, I finally get to follow this. And mm-hmm. then you're like you're like interacting with like mm-hmm producers and artists yeah. on, on Twitter in a really like interesting way Thank and you. I like I have so much trouble like reaching out to mm-hmm. people like mm-hmm. I'm intimidated by and mm-hmm. you like seem to do it really really well and Thank easily. you yeah but I'm like so sporadic like I find it I don't know I feel like if you're when okay you're gonna have to edit a lot of this it's okay but, um like what if I'm not like getting followers every day like I feel like I get so disheartened or yeah I just feel like uh, what I'm doing is not working so it takes me a while to get back on there yeah. but I like how consistent you are like that's and that's so important for social media yeah my big social media strat is just be as annoying as possible mm-hmm. until you attract people yeah like and that's a good strategy seriously yeah mm-hmm. um so what inspires you to make something like straight three what inspires you to like um why are you so this is going to sound accusatory when it's Mm -hmm. not because it's Mm -hmm. exactly what i'm doing too Mm -hmm. like why do you want to create a creative space for young people Mm -hmm. um i think because for so long like i never really thought of myself as creative like at all like i assumed that if i wasn't like winning these different drawing competitions or like um having so many people like applaud my work or something like whatever I was doing that I didn't really matter in this whole world of like creativity I was intimidated by all that stuff so I think like really understanding the fact that creativity looks um different like seeing 
different kinds of content creators like you know like you with your podcast your um your audio everything like that and then also people who are artists and singers and stuff like that like really recognizing early in high school that there are different types i wanted to create a space where other young people could also recognize that within themselves because i had and also like i love media so like just like things of like magazines and like I don't know how beautiful they are in real life. I totally wanted to like do that. Yeah, and if I recall, and I might, I, I forget the actual paper, but I know you won an award from I think the New York Times about an article you wrote about yes. lemonade. Yes, yes, I did. I um I came as a a runner up in the 2016 student review contest, and that was for an article I wrote like yeah analyzing lemonade the the video um yeah and the album of obviously and. Yeah, it, it it went well. I had fun writing it. It was exactly like kind of what I'm, what my zine is uh, inspired by. Just looking at the connection between art and culture and the messages that people are trying to send to one another. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk about culture. What does that word mean to you? Hmm. Um, I think culture, like how we interact, um, what's important to us, the type of yeah, news. Oh, God. No, it's okay. <laughs> I'm sorry. Come on, keep going. Okay, You're doing okay. well. Thank you, thank you. Um, yeah, how we interact, um, what inspires us, and, and things that we create and everything. Um, I don't know, culture in our different communities and, like, values and stuff. So, like, talking about the zine, what I want people to hopefully, um, hopefully portray in their art or whatever they're submitting to me is, like, what their community is like outside of other people's like what environment they're living in and how they feel that's affecting them because like when you're looking at I don't know people who live in different neighborhoods with like different economic backgrounds whatever opinions are so different and just like things like that I really like analyzing that I think we forget to look at because our school kind of is a bubble and like yeah and like especially if you live here like, it's crazy. You can just be so engrossed in everything. Yeah, that. yeah. Um, we go to an all-girls boarding school mm-hmm. in Virginia, which is <laughs> real fun. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, it's a good experience, but it's also quite um, like enclosed. Yeah, kind of just, yeah. Yeah, so let's actually talk about that, because you live at school. Mm-hmm. I do not. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about sort of in, like, these very small environments like how does that like affect the way you perceive yourself you perceive your education Mm -hmm. just sort of going off that Mm -hmm. well um in my family a lot of us live in South Africa or like different parts around the country and I'd say most of my cousins and me and everyone like we've had a lot of opportunities but I'm the only one who's gotten to go to like a very fancy private school in the U.S. So I think when I came here and still now, there's a lot of pressure for me to do well and appreciate everything about this the space. Yeah, and there's also this like we were talking about stress earlier on. There's yeah. this like it's not necessarily hyper competitive so mm-hmm. much as it is hyper pressurized because mm-hmm. there's so few people to inter- interact with and we're all feeling this like very intense pressure exactly. to varying degrees of course mm-hmm. um, depending on family mm-hmm. background etc but like so there's no one who isn't stressed exactly so there's definitely like that sort of heightened anxiety that comes from being in such a small high pressure space yeah and then that just becomes like your new normal and 
Yeah, I, I don't think that's healthy. I really don't. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't yeah. think it's healthy for anyone. But I would say that this school is very supportive. I think the student body, I think the students here, if you find your little, your friend group, your whatever, they'll support you. And um, yeah, so I don't know, living here, it's been kind of hard, but I don't know, good. I think after I found my community, my, my friend group, I, <laughs> so I grew up in Maryland and Mocha. yeah, Mocha, let's go. Um, and then when I was in, in ninth grade, my family moved to New Jersey slash New York, that area. And then, yeah, I rushed New Jersey so hard, like you don't even know. Freshman year, she would not settle <laughs> about being from New York. Exactly, yeah. And then, yeah, so I loved that area. It was very awesome. And then earlier this year, for some reason, we moved to Boston, Massachusetts. And I'm sorry, if you're from New England, you're going to feel really hurt by hearing me trash your whole area. Let's but talk about Let's this. discuss. Really, honestly, though, like that is not my place. Um, I am so tired of seeing Dunkin' Donuts and all these people thinking that they're smart because they live next to colleges. Let's, let's go in. Um, but yeah, and Boston's just cold. But there are some pluses that I'm just not that I'm just ignoring. So sorry. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I loved Jersey. Yeah, I lived in Jersey for a little bit. I had a great time in Jersey. I um, I did not make any friends because I spent <laughs> most of my time in Virginia. So a lot of the times during breaks when I was at home, I would just take walks around Hoboken, hoping a cute boy would stop me and ask, you know, how I'm doing. And we'd start oh a God. relationship from there. What twisted romance movie are you living in? I don't know. But if anyone needed a meet cute, it was me. That's <laughs> like, fair. That's yeah. fair. Um, but that never happened, so it's okay. I still love Jersey. Um, yeah, I just walk around, really, and live life. Boston, it's it's just less great. Yeah. Yeah. It, it seems very, like, homogenous to me every time. Like, I think about Boston, and I just... Yeah. I, it, I, I've never been, so I really shouldn't judge it, but mm-hmm. also... You can. Judge all you want. Like, honestly, there... There, depending on where you are, there are no black people. It's crazy. Like, I'll be in, like, Brookline or, like, Cambridge. Okay, in my standards, there's not enough black people, I think, in these areas that are the most, like, I don't know, affluent. There are really no black people. And then when you do want to see a lot of black people, you have to go into, like, kind of the most, like, developing neighborhoods, like, the most ones with the most crime. And I, I I think that's so unfortunate. If you, I was reading this article about, like, the net like um, the net worth of all, most all black people in Boston is like eight dollars. Like that's not yeah. Is this it's it's actually eight dollars. Like I'm saying this on radio, so because I know like it's a fact. Like this is a fact. Search it up after this. Like whenever I tell anyone this, and like when I read this article, I think it was like it's either the New York Times or the Boston Globe, but adding up like debt and everything it's eight dollars and in the title it literally said this is not a typo it's eight dollars this was like 2016 or 2017 or something but search it up these are facts i'm not lying i'm really brave for talking about articles now mm-hmm. yes yeah <laughs> mm-hmm. an academic mm-hmm. uh, no but there's like definitely that whole history of like redlining i think it's called yeah in, in boston that exactly leads to that sort of thing yeah. and it just like and that hit like a lot of cities, like every city probably has a history of it. Yeah, Boston's is just sort of more like 
You can see it like so much, like it's crazy. I mean, I think Baltimore is a little similar. Someone told yeah. me that you can, when you're driving, you can just kind of see the neighborhood shift. Yes. But um, yeah, I, I don't like that at all. You yeah. Know? yeah. It's definitely not something I noticed growing up, like as a kid, because I'm like you. You can see me. I'm very white. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Oh, and um, I'm black. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but like as I like sort of got older and sort of learned about like racial dynamics, I started like noticing this more, and it's mm-hmm. like sort of scaring me. Oh, mm-hmm. not scaring me, but like creeping me out that it's like just oh, really? this, like completely homogenous, very white area. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I grew up like in Bethesda, right? And yeah. so it was very um it was yeah, it's it's a very white area if you know that yes. area. Um and I think going to school that was made it very hard. Like in Bethesda in Montgomery County, the the system, public school system, you kind of end up growing up with everyone throughout elementary to high school and with the same people. So going to middle school and elementary school there I just kind of got used to being the only, like, one of the only black people in my in my classes or anything like that. And I, it was not a healthy environment. I, my mom really thought that I needed a place with more black people. It was starting to affect the way, like, I saw myself and other yeah. black people. And um, it was just, it was really just not good for me. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> it wasn't good. On a slightly similar axis, I definitely came here mm-hmm. because there were visibly gay people yeah. when I toured. Yeah. Like, like there was a definite, like, disconnect mm-hmm. from mm-hmm. from being gay for me. Mm-hmm. It was weird. It, it's obviously not entirely comparable, but it's, like, a similar... No, we, I understand, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, yeah. 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 That's, Aww. yeah, it's heavy. It really is. And I'm about to go take the SAT at a public school in Montgomery County oh, <laughs> where I'm about to see all these kids. But, um, yeah, it's it's so crazy because I think about my experience, like, specifically in middle school in Bethesda, and, like, I- I'm amazed at how much, like, being in an environment where you see very little people who look like you can really affect you. Like, I would be walking around, like, my classes feeling like why am I so ugly why can't I be this skinny like why does nobody seem to acknowledge me like this like I would take all that and put it on myself and it's like I feel like no one really noticed besides me and my mom had to tell me that this this was the problem like it was because I was like a black girl you know and there was like very little like community between the black girls at this school like since we were all used to just hanging out with our white friends, we never really thought to come together or we were afraid of what it would look like if we were all hanging together. We didn't want people to think that, I don't know. I don't know what like that would make people think, but it was about like optics there too. But I don't know, it, it, it makes me really sad that that was my experience. Yeah. And um, I'm afraid that other black people in that system are going through the same thing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's like it's an experience I can't really mm-hmm. relate to, but it mm-hmm. like it like I would always like I don't know I don't know how to put it. <laughs> um, no, go ahead, please. It, like it always like stressed me out to see someone who was the only of any given demographic mm-hmm. in a group. Really, and it it like like I feel like community is very important to m- most marginalized groups in general. I don't yeah. want to generalize, but like. I found a lot of comfort in actually having a gay community around me. I yeah. know I know black people who like grew up like like you as one of the only black people in their general area mm-hmm. who like once they met made like 
post black friends they like finally like felt more secure in their identity exactly and i feel like this is something like vitally important that isn't talked about often enough this like whole notion of like community as a sense of identity Mm -hmm. yeah yeah seriously and i think like coming to the school when i actually finally did have a whole bunch of black friends and they had to like seek me out like you know it wasn't like I automatically went to them but after having that like it was amazing like completely transformative the way I saw myself um I even start this is so messed up I don't even want to admit this but like in middle school I only liked white boys let me say it here I know it's so sad and then now like you know I'm I feel like it's just more normal um but yeah, like just little things like that that I feel like became okay when I when I finally had a group of black girls that I could really relate to and supported me. Yeah, nice. Anything else you want to say about anything? Just like um, no. I hope you liked the sound of my voice. Cool. So one wrap up question that I like to ask because mm-hmm. I have like a nice little spot of my. Is this like your rainbow? Yeah. You watch Jesus and Mero? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, so. Last um, question I like to ask mm-hmm. is, um, what is one song that you think sort of defines you at this point in your life? Wow, you're really asking me a question that's gonna put all of my music taste like out there. I have to impress everyone now. Um, so one song that I've been really listening to a lot, and I don't know if it completely defines me, but it's like a song that I feel like sounds like my soul. Mm-hmm. If that's weird, you know. So okay, it's called "Back Again" by I Am DDB. I love I Am DDB. Right? You She's introduced me. me to her. You right? Um, yeah. Um, you played pause in our advisory one mm-hmm. time. I, mm-hmm. I, I and I I interviewed her uh, the one of the producers of one of her songs for the Zine. Nice. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's crazy. I'll show you the interview. It's crazy. Um, that's so cool. Yeah, but um. Yeah, Back Again by I'm DDB. If you don't already know her, you're behind. you got to listen to her. Please listen to her. Yeah, She's incredible. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that song sounds like my soul, so you'll know who I am after you listen to her music. <laughs> yeah. All right, so thank you so much for sitting down with me. Thank you for yeah. having me. Good luck with the SAT tomorrow. I'm also taking it, so oh, like, um, okay. I'm, I'm taking the subject test, though. So. Okay, yeah. Yeah, um, mm-hmm. okay. Cool, cool, cool. Okay. All good. I have college counseling now, so goodbye. Goodbye. Do you remember the Sunday afternoons in your bed? folks, it's me, B, back on the mic just to give you a few quick notes about this episode. I'd love to thank Nundi Doro, my dear, dear friend, who so graciously let me interview her for this episode. She is a delight. You can check out her zine at strike3mag.com. That's strike3mag.com. She's also on Twitter and Tumblr under that username. I'm also on Twitter at B Highland, and the show is on Twitter at Teenage Girls Pod. Uh, you can also donate to my Ko-fi to help support the show, ko-fi.com slash beehighland, B-E-E-H-Y-L-A-N-D. And yeah, if you want to participate in the show, please hit up our website at um, 4teenagegirls.com slash participate. And please uh, maybe leave some reviews over on iTunes or um, just tell me on Twitter what you think of the show. Um, thank you so much. 
I love you. Happy Pride Month. I'll be back next week interviewing some cool gay folks just because I love pride. I love being gay and I want to talk about it. So cool. I love you. Bye. Please keep yourself loved and warm and happy. If you can, please do it for me. I love you. Bye.